what's up all you motorcycle enthusiasts welcome to another episode of the v-twin life where we talk motorcycles that are powered by those v-twins and what fuels our passion about them why we enjoy it so much and also this episode is brought to you by a northwest brand clothing you can find here in the northwest and on the world wide web at crashinclothing.com and on instagram at crash underscore inc and also, if you're around the Tigard, Oregon area, and you want to swing into Paradise Harley Davidson, you can pick yourself up some crashing gear right now. So if you're like me and you don't want to wait on shipping because you want it now, head on down to Paradise Harley Davidson. You can get yourself some today. So now, let's twist the throttle and get into this episode where the author has wrote a book. He's big into motorcycling, and it's, you know, sounds like it's fueled his life for quite some time, Mr. Bob Marshall. I love that statement, big into motorcycling. I don't think it's as big as big can be. I think it's an addiction that I need a damn 12-step program for. <laughs> it is addicting. That is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. As we both know. Thanks for having me on, Denver. Hey, thanks for having me on, too, man. This has been great. Yeah. I was checking out some of your episodes just the other night, too, and catching up and listening to you because we both had, I got an episode coming out soon with Ramble from Ride 1K in a Day, and nice. I also listened to to his show, where well, not his show, be yours, where you had him on as a guest, and yeah. that was pretty good. Well, it's a lot of fun, and that's the whole idea of my brand, American Roadrunner. It's great that I have the ability to share how I race how I build what I do through my writings and through my books. But let's face it, books are not nearly as popular as they used to be. Um, so you kind of have to always deal with that. It's really neat that, believe it or not, most people who purchase my books, from what I've seen from the reviews and the way people have reached out to me, they don't ride motorcycles. They're just interested in that adventure story. And they're interested in, in that idea of maybe they used to ride motorcycles. Maybe they have a relative who rode motorcycles. And the motorcycle ends up just being a big euphemism for yourself. And the road that the motorcycle's on is just that of life. So I concentrate yeah, yeah, concentrate maybe very try hard. So they can try to connect and understand what their relative or loved one or friend might see through it. I think so. Maybe it's similar to wanting to be a rock star. I was a rock star back in the day. Uh, everybody dreams of being a rock star. I got real addicted to that. And that got me into where I owned a business repairing guitars and amps because I wasn't a very good rock star. I thought we were good, but the money did not. And that's okay. After a year or two in Hollywood, I kind of gave up and came back to uh, Riverside and you, you kind of look around. So I started repairing stuff and I had to accept that I really enjoyed wrenching on things. I really enjoy fixing things, even as far as setting up the studio to narrate my book, to do the American Roadrunner motorcycle show. Uh, it was real easy for me to plug it in. It was hard to go digital. I was used to doing four track tape players back in the day or hiring out a studio to do things for me. But I was real fortunate that is, uh, I have a buddy who owns a very professional studio here in town. He helped me hook everything up, uh, get everything that I needed to get. And I, you know, I kind of understood. And half the gear I already had, so that helped. But once I got everything hooked up mm, and moving, it was real great to know that this is a medium that people enjoy hearing stories on. And it eventually led me to get to narrate my own book, American Roadrunner, which just came out on Audible a few weeks ago. Uh, so if you have an Audible, uh, you're more than welcome to you're more than welcome to look up American Roadrunner. In fact, I'm going to throw it out there even farther. Uh, I was going to save this till the end, but anybody listening, it's always good to grab you in the beginning. I'm going to do a contest. And when this show airs on your end in that week, anybody who starts following me on Instagram, uh, at American Roadrunner and or on Facebook at my American Roadrunner page is going to be put into a contest and I'm going to give away three free audiobooks. So anybody interested, feel free to follow me. You'll get put into the drawing. I'll do a live drawing and uh, we'll get a few more audiobooks out there that people can listen to. Unfortunately, it's my voice reading the book. But other than that, I hear it's pretty good. So it's gotten great reviews so far. So hey, that's awesome. Mm. Writing a book would be pretty cool. I mean, because from the sounds of it, I mean, you've 
You've been around the block is a good way to put it. Yeah, well, I have a very addictive personality, as I mentioned earlier. So when I started out riding motorcycles, it was something I did as a kid. We'd go do a bit of off-road riding on little Honda 50s, Honda 70s, like 1970 models, like big clunky fuckers compared to today's stuff. Can I cuss? Is that okay if I cuss? I apologize. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. You're good to go, man. My my show's rated E, not for everyone. Sometimes I cuss, but... um, Mine is too. Yeah, cool. Cool. You never, you never know. So, you, you know, I started there and I kind of hopped around on one in college for a bit. And then I got married and gave it up for many years. I had a big white Cadillac convertible that I kind of took everywhere. And that led me, you know, feeling like I was part of the scenery instead of looking out the window at the scenery. And after being married a few years, my dad had purchased another bike. My dad's an old Harley chopper guy from back in the day. One of my first memories was helping him push his old Harley chopper around the yard over the oil hole so he could lay it on its side and get all the oil out and, you know, change the oil and whatever. So I kind of grew up with that old, it was a 50, I think it was a 51 uh, panhead. It's an old cop bike. So I, I he picked up uh, an old Honda, or I guess they were pretty new back then. I picked up a new Honda. You know, we just kind of hopped around the country on these Hondas. And the more I looked at it, uh, we we had ridden up to Bonneville a few times to spectate. And I was like, well, we're going to do this Bonneville racing. And I'm going to go a step above. I'm going to build a chopper and do this cross-country chopper racing called the Stampede. Now, the Stampede is, for those of you listeners who don't know, the Stampede is the craziest, most insane, most deadly, stupidest cross-country chopper race you could ever imagine. It's West Coast to East Coast. The route's different every year. We get the route uh, just 12 hours before the starting flag goes down. And you go as fast as you can cross-country on a chopper that you built at home. So I, I got an old KZ-1000 cop bike, kind of fell in love with it, uh, with those models. I own a few of them now. And I built the bitch to run cross country and I did the stampede a couple times and uh, my, uh, I've done it anywhere from three and a half days where my fastest time was the last one at two and a half days. The stampede only went on for about 10 years because it turned out to be quite deadly for some and it turned out to be uh, as real as a toothache and, and man there's probably only 150 stampeders in the world and I'm fortunate enough to be to be one of them. So it's how fast can you twist a throttle, get across country on a home-built scoot that may or may not be running. If it claps out, you got to fix it on the side of the road and keep going. Um, I think the most I ever did was just, just under 1,600 miles in 24 hours. Uh, I rode from like here to Kansas. Uh, I think I was up on the 70 then. Well, I'd have to be on the 70 to hit through Kansas. But anyways... Um, it was, uh, you know, it's definitely as real as a toothache, for lack of a better term. So doing that and then doing land speed racing, which is just family fun. Uh, if anyone's ever seen the movie World's Fastest Indian, land speed racing is how fast you can go in a straight line with just a few miles. And that's just something I do with my family. I did it with my pops and my son. Unfortunately, my pops died in my arms a few years ago. And, I started uh, to hear that. Yeah, massive heart attack. He was just one of those guys that enjoyed the hell out of life, ate a lot of donuts, and and he was just really big. And his, his heart went, and we were in the hospital. I was in the hospital with him for a week. He had a triple bypass. He was doing real good and getting better, and there we are in a hospital. And he just he was sharp as a tack, and he just went out. So that whole hope I die before I get old of his baby boomer generation was very real for him. He died at 66. So... I kind of had to rebuild my land speed racing team. It's just myself and my son now. My son's in high school now. I don't think we're going to be doing land speed racing. He's really big into marching band, which is way cool. His older sister was as well. So I think land speed racing's put on the back burner. We've also done some flat track racing and a few other a few other little things, but it's all about good family fun and rebuilding old motorcycles and getting them to do things that they were never designed or built to do. And everything that I build or ride, it's very stripped down. It's very, uh, you know, all the extra crap is taken off. There's no speedometers. There's rarely a front brake. Uh, you know, these are just things you don't need. And, and every motorcycle's built a little differently. I own about 40 motorcycles, but I only insure, I think I only insure nine of them. 
And of those nine, I know I've got a few that need a few things. So everything from a Goldwing down to a Honda Rebel. I just, I really enjoy wrenching on motorcycles with my dude. And it's, it's good family fun. And I think that's what keeps me in the passion of riding on two wheels. I love killing the miles. Uh, two weeks ago, I rode over to uh, New Mexico, uh, Silver City, right in the center. I took the 10. It was only 650 miles, and I was like, well, I'm going to take my time. Like, this will be nice. And I tried, man. I tried, like, stopping and seeing the sights, and I'd stop for a minute or two and jump back on the bike and keep going. I got there in in less than 10 hours, you know? And it, <laughs> You know, and then coming back, I was like, okay, now I'm really going to stop and see the sides. I'm going to take the side roads. I'm going to head north for a while. I got back in 11 hours. So I, you know, it's just 650 miles is kind of the, kind of the perfect day of riding in my opinion. But I went up there, a fellow Stampeder was getting married. Stampeders are like that. We're all, we always run into each other in the middle of nowhere, whether it's uh, a show or whether it's just on the road. You know, I, I've been in the middle of nowhere and a stampede will pull up. And you can see us like the 4th of July. Our bikes are ugly. Usually we've got spare fuel cells. Like none, nothing makes sense to our machines. Uh, they're ugly. They're stupid. And they go as fast as you could ever imagine. And and we just keep rocking them. And sometimes yeah, we're on newer you know, machines. You, you enjoy the ride. Enjoy the time. That's That's what it's about. Well, I, I agree. I can imagine you've got quite a good story yourself on where you came from and how you got into riding motorcycles, especially being up in the state of Washington. It gets cold up there. So riding for you is very different than riding for me down here in Southern California. So This is true. Yeah, how does that treat you? Uh, well, you know, you kind of you got to bundle up and dress in layers when it gets time close to wintertime. Well, even now, I mean, like, actually today, so I got the bike out. I went for a ride two days ago, and it, it was about 50. It wasn't bad. You know, I just had my lightweight coat on my vest and, right. you know, I, I'm used to where other people, you know, they might ride in 50 and they're going to be layering up with everything they got. But, you, you know, you, you live in that environment. You kind of, you get used to the temps, but you get much cooler than that. You know, I might be throwing on my Joe Rocket pants with the downliner and, and getting on some more layers for sure if it was going to be going much long distance. I mean, I, you know, the other day was just, you know, a little 30-mile putt, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think, um, have you been riding most of your life, though? I mean, has it really treated you well? I have. I mean, I'm, well, let's see, 42. I'll be 43 in March, and I started when I was five, six years old. I started on dirt bikes. And, nice. You know, my stepdad got me into it. He was an old biker from way back, you know, rolled with, he had a, his group of guys in the old club that he used to ride with, and I can remember when... I must have been 10-ish, and I remember when he brought home his, I think it was a 73 shovel head. It was the original cop bike from Port Angeles where I live, and mm -hmm. he was super stoked when he got it. And, you know, we go outside to look, and it was like 16, 17 boxes. You know, there was there was no bike, but to him, you That's know, great. he could see it. And, you know, he carried it in the frame, and I don't know, it was probably three, four weeks later, dude, he was rolling down the road on it. Well, that was definitely back in the day in a generation where the old guys that raised us. I'm 43, by the way. You're just a, a year younger than me. Well done. And, yeah, the old guys that raised us you knew how to build stuff with their hands, and they thought it was cool to put these machines together. Whether they were, they were reliable or not, it doesn't matter. My dad carried a can of ether on a bike till the day he died because he knew that's what you had to do. You give it If it won't start, you give it a squirt of ether. And I'm like, Pops, you no longer have to kick these bitches over. Like, you just push the button, man. It's a freaking Honda. You're going to be fine. He was, <laughs> he was so excited to have a bike that had shocks and whatever else. But, no, I remember my mom threatening to turn my dad's bike into a coffee table because he had it in pieces all over the garage. And she didn't understand. He was just polishing it and getting the generator rebuilt and might as well... Might as well, you know, redo the heads while you're at it. And it was it was a pan-turned shovel, so I think you had to do the heads twice. But anyways, you know, these old guys, they really they really knew how to uh how to rock it. Although I think I think you've moved up in your life. Uh I it's really neat how you talk about staying warm. I don't know if anybody's listening, but if you get a chance, check out Denver's beard. I swear you could hide lunch and dinner in that thing. <laughs> He's worked very That's hard on it. Good. Yeah, well done. Yeah. But you're uh, actually you're hopping around. I shaved it off. Oh, you did? This is only yeah. This is 
13 months. Last September, I, it was a little longer than it is now, and I shaved it off and started all over. So, you know, that's 13 months of growth. Wow. Yeah, and that's funny. You shaved it off right before the cold came. I really enjoy just the, the thin beard. I mean, I could grow a full beard. I have before, but I enjoy just the thin layer I keep just to keep some of the wind off of my face. And it's usually an inch or two long in the wintertime and then quite close to my face in the summertime. So, And I end up just using my balm. I actually make my own balm. I'm getting ready to put it on the market soon enough. I keep saying that, but I really want the formula to be perfect. But I'll put it on my face. And I've got an oil-based one uh, or a petroleum jelly-based one as well as a natural-based one. But in the wintertime, I'll put the oil or petroleum jelly-based one on my face. And that really helps keep me warm. Do you guys do stuff like that in the north as well? Or? Well, I mean, uh, I have, you know, oil and whatnot I use for it. But being as mine's got so long, the wind likes to get it and blow it up my face. So I usually ride with a with the face mask on just to keep essentially keep my beard down but it also does help keep my you know face and whatnot a little bit warmer with uh with my mask over it what kind of face mask like a covid face mask or no it's like a salt armor it's actually made for fishing it's a full one to pull over your head kind of like a gator style with the american flag on it okay okay good for you yeah i've always kept a bandana around my neck and i know when covid started i would wake up every day and tie a bandana around my neck, jump on a motorcycle like I'm going somewhere and just hop a mile and a half to work and be really dis disappointed and depressed about it. So that, you know, that really, so I ride every day to work. That, that, that's really important for me keeping my sanity. But, uh, so then I had to go, I, they made me switch to the masks that hang off your ears and that drives me nuts. I just prefer to keep a bandana. I usually ride with an open face, a helmet and then use a bandana to keep me warm or I use a turtle to keep my 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 face and mouth warm but having that extra balm on my face really helps and I got I stole that idea from a gentleman who wrote a lot in Alaska and he was telling me they do that so I didn't know if that was something you guys practiced up there or not no not really I I mean I just do the face wrap because I just wear you know the half helmet and I'm I'm looking soon to also go into a a full face helmet because my wife wears one and we're gonna you know pick up a a calm unit soon for you know when riding together to make it a little easier to talk to but i also i enjoy the half helmet do you really you want know, a calm unit sometimes do you really want to talk to your wife that much sir <laughs> i'm just throwing it out there maybe i'm maybe i'm a bachelor for a reason you know but yeah i i give you credit i uh i could never do a calm unit Certainly not. That's why I loved riding with my dad. My dad and I did not get along very well, but we could ride all day and only have to talk for 15, 20 minutes at the stops. It was great. It was great father-son time, so. Oh, yeah. Me and my dad enjoy riding. That's, you know, one of the the great passions about it. I mean, I rode with my stepdad a lot, and, you know, once I when I got my road glide last year, you know, me and my dad, it was always something we've also done together, and it's a great time we have. You know, my boys are planning on you know, they want to switch from their dirt bikes to street bikes in the future, and it's just a lot of fun. How old are your boys? 17 and 19. Oh, holy heck, you're a busy man. Yeah, my daughter's the oldest. She's 22. Man, well done. Well, at least they're getting old enough now to kind of get out of the house, and you and the missus can enjoy, enjoy life. Yeah, and actually, my daughter, I mean, she enjoys riding tremendously. She sent me a text here last week that we should go for a little road trip. And then I get a, the next message is her notepad from where we're basically riding from up in Washington, down through Idaho, through Colorado, Utah, the Grand Canyon. I mean, basically the whole West Coast National Park tour. She's like, oh, this would be great. We should do it next year. Wow. I just laughed. It's like, man, uh, you getting a bike? And I didn't know. And she's like, well, no, I'm just going to ride with you. ha, 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 ha. I'll just hop on the back. It'll be just fine. Oh, yeah. She, you know, my daughter loves it. And we did that a few times this summer. She texts me, hey, what are you doing? Let's go for a ride. It's going to be nice this weekend because she lives about two and a half hours away. So I picked her up once this summer. We went up over the North Cascades and it was a good time. She really likes it and I enjoy it. And it's just something fun that we do together. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad she likes it and enjoys it. It's, it's a good time. 
Well, it does seem very appropriate at the end of the day then for you and your wife to have a commune at soon. Because if the kids aren't around, they're, they're teenagers. They're not going to listen to y'all anyways. Y'all don't know what you're talking about. So they're going to be very excited. Uh, I'm sorry. You and your wife are going to be very excited to talk to each other now instead of having to talk to kids. So that makes perfect sense. Well done. I actually have a good friend who, I mean, him and his wife, they they do a lot of traveling on the Goldwing. And he actually, you know, claims and told me numerous times that actually they talk more when they ride the motorcycle than they do at home. Sure, sure. Well, that makes sense. And have a lot more, just a lot more conversation and really enjoy it. I think that's a wonderful part about getting out, enjoying the roads of America or Canada or Mexico or wherever. I haven't really ridden in Europe yet or anything, but... Because there's so much here in America, and it's great to get out, and it's great to see where you came from. It's great to see where my grandparents were, my great-grandparents, uh, my, my dad's family's from Aberdeen, South Dakota. My mom's family's from uh, Missouri, Independence, Missouri. Um, you know, so it's great to visit these places and know where you came from and or just haul ass through these places and think, well, I'll stop and visit their graves next time. And then I hit them up again next year, and I think... Every so often, you know, to any new riders, I get it all the time. Like, Bob, how do you afford to do this? Well, I do live on the cheap. My cars are not new. I've got a few old, I've got an 02 F-150 and I've got an 04 Excursion. I'm getting ready to sell the Excursion because I'm, excuse me, I'm just not using it very much. But I look, I look forward to living a lot cheaper and because I've, I've got a big old historic house here in downtown Riverside, uh, and I'm probably the only bachelor within miles from it. This is the most expensive real estate in this town. And I, I was, you know, I was born here and bought this house when 23 years ago when, from my family. So all the neighbors still call me Bobby. I used to ride bicycles up and down the street. And that's probably how I really got into riding motorcycles. It was BMX. I raced BMX as a kid when the movie Rad came out. I even had a paper route you know, on my bicycle and whatnot. So yeah, I've been working since I was 14 to support my habits. But you know, my big thing is I just hop around on the cheap. I bring a tarp with me or uh, a tent, which can act as a tarp. And I'll just crash on the side of the road when I need to. But you start moving, you start grooving, you're going to make friends everywhere. My my buddy Z, she does a big bunker biker program. You can stay at people's houses and locations all over the u.s for free they've got an extra room they've got it's bunkabiker, uh, dot com. Uh, bunkabiker dot com yeah you know I, all these people are happy to host like motorcycle vagabonders so i've had a lot of fun just for me it's time you know taking two or three weeks off work i only get like three and a half weeks off a year all my overtime i turn into time off so i can you know really take time off and that that's what it all equals to me. I get the time off. The money's the easy part. The gas is cheap. I, I don't eat as much as I used to. I just lost 50 pounds, so I eat even less. Did you hear about that? Yeah, did you hear about that race I did with Dump Truck? Dump Truck and I were in a race to lose 50 pounds. It took me six and a half months, but yeah, I, I went from 273 down to 223. Uh, I'm at about 220 now. I was down at 217 about two weeks ago, but regardless, I've been holding steady around there for a few months now, so I'm really having a lot of fun with that. I think Dump Truck dropped out of the race early on. You know, he's still the big, exciting, joshy self friend of mine that he is. That guy's been real busy working, and he, he brings us a lot of entertainment in the world of motorcycles. And you uh, you and I hooked up through doing the Ride 1K in a day. What what attracted you to the Ride 1K in a day? I'd actually, one of my first guests I had was Leo, also on Instagram, known as LM4Photo. Yeah. And I'd, I'd followed him for a while, and I'd, he'd done a few posts about it, and, you know, talked about how he'd done multiple ones. And it's like, you know, I, I always wanted to do do one you know there's also the other the other organization yeah and i i brought it up years ago with my dad we were talking about and he kept telling me hey that's so stupid what the hell you want to try to do 24 you know nice. a thousand miles in 24 hours for that's just dumb and it's like you know whatever it'd be fun and i think it was like a month later i'm up to my dad's house we're doing tinkering in the garage and he goes oh hey check out what i got in the mail and of course here's his plaque and the certificate and all this stuff because he him and his buddies got together and and did a f- iron butt. And I'm like, you know, you told me how stupid it was. He just laughs. laughs. And it's like, I know, love it. I rubbed it in that he did it first. I'm like, dude, that's just dirty. 
That's so dirty. What an asshole. I love that guy. So it was this year, you know, because all this COVID stuff, my boys play baseball, you know, a lot of travel baseball, and we couldn't play in Washington. So we were traveling to Idaho a lot. Right. And it was after one of the tournaments, and we were finally just kind of going to take a vacation, go down and see, you know, one of my best friends who's like my brother lived down just south of Meridian, Idaho. And right. I was talk, talking with my wife. It's like, you know, I really want to go do one of these ride, ride 1K. She's like, well, I'm not going with you, so, you know, do it. And so, you know, I got on the old Google Maps and started looking and started planning out a route and said, bingo, here we go. And, you know, I left Port Angeles at 3.30 in the morning, crossed Washington State, I crossed the Panhandle, Idaho, into Montana, down to Missoula. Then I headed up over Lolo Pass and down to Garden City, basically kind of looped around Boise, and then headed to Meridian and down to Kuna, down to the what the Albertsons fuel stations, like a mile from my brother's house, and that was a thousand fourteen miles. And with the time change, I think I did it, and it was like nine, eighteen hours and four minutes. That's what I love. I love other people sharing that story of the ride one can a day. And that's why I track to it. Some of my stampede buddies really give me crap. They're like, it's only a thousand miles and what the heck, Bob, like big deal. Well, the thing that I tracks it to me is it was the only race my dad ever looked at is just a few months before he died. He looked at it and he said, you know, I think your stampede is stupid. Like you guys are stupid. Like you guys are dumb. I, I offered to him a few times, like pops, let's throw you together a scoot. Like let's go out and hit the road and race some choppers cross country. You can do the stampede. And he's like, no, 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 that's dumb. You guys are, you guys are dumb. Go have fun without me. And he was always there at the starting line to see me off and whatnot and chat with all the old boys about old Harleys. But at the end of the day, he looked at the ride one can a day and he said, you know what? That's something I could do. So I know my first ride one can a day was specifically with my pops in the saddlebag uh, in ashes. I was taking him up to Aberdeen, South Dakota to bury him in our family plot. So I hauled butt from here to uh, Colorado Springs to the old Tesla site. And that monument that they got there in Colorado Springs where Tesla had uh, one of his laboratories back in the day. And that's where, that's where, that's where it ended. I think it was like 1100 miles, but it was real nice to, to do that with my pops, even in ashes. And, um, you know, so that, that's what attracts me to it. But I absolutely love, I get so excited the way other people share their stories. I'm always so excited to read other people's stories on my show. I read everyone's story. Everyone who does the ride one can a day, I read their story on my show and release it. I'm about two and a half months behind right now, but I'm coming out with a show here in a few days where it's just other people's stories. And that's what I love. It's very exciting that I wrote a book and here's my story and here's all the secrets on how to race. And here's how I ride on a chopped motorcycle with no shocks for how many freaking days at a time. Like I give away all my secrets in my book, but you know, people don't want to race motorcycles like that or whatever. So that's fine. It's just, it's good story. And at the end of the day, the Ride One Canada Day is very tangible for most people who do ride, including, uh, you know, an old, uh, fat, awesome man like my pops. You know, he looked at it and said, you know, I bet you I could do that. I mean, the man had neuropathy, could barely walk. And he's looking at the Ride One Canada Day going, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, let's do that sometime. So I just, I love that. I love that story. I love everyone else's story of the Ride One K in a day. So that's why I attract to it. Me too. And I think one of the big things, you know, depending on the area you look in, like for me, I went through kind of some, you go up over the Bitterroot Mountains and parts of northern Idaho and yeah. that southwestern corner of Montana, you really kind of got to do your homework prior to make sure you can make it to the next gas station. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm real uh, surprised. I had a, I had a very close call when I, I couldn't make an exit in Coeur d'Alene. I got blocked and it's like, Hey, you know, I'll hit the next one and not realizing that that was the last exit to Coeur d'Alene. And right. I start going up over some little mountain passes and down and all of a sudden the gas light comes on in the middle of nowhere. I happened to find this little general store that has a gas pump. You know, I took 4.7 gallons in a five gallon tank. Yeah, you're because you're rocking like a newer Harley, aren't you? I got an 04. Yeah, okay, good for you. Yeah, I know they've got the bigger tanks, and that's really the nice. The newer one's got the six gallon, which would be nice, but I'm just, I, I like the old one. I'm, I like the 
well, I mean, mine's not the 88 anymore, but, you know, you get that TC-88, the twin cam, mine's, you know, bumped up a little bit, but I know how to work on it. You know, like I had a, a trip this, this summer here about a month ago going to Oregon where I had a little breakdown, but, right. you know, it took a little five-hour hiatus on the side of the road, but I was able to fix it once we got the parts, and back on the road I go, and, you know, it's a, a reason, like you say, you know, you're doing these stampede runs, you, you know, carrying a fuel cell, well, it might have somewhat of a newer bike to some people, it's a, you know, 16 years old, right. but whether, I, whether I'm in my car or I'm in my motorcycle, I always carry a small toolkit, and tell you what it paid off yeah i'm real big on i agree it does pay off and i think it's important for people to know too i mean you don't have to know how to build or rebuild a motorcycle to race it or to ride it a motorcycle will fit in the back of any truck i promise it's not that big of a deal you know so you can get get towed around i guess you know i've i don't think i've ever been towed. oh no i had to get towed a few months ago i tried to do a Ride one can a day and I blew up my back tire. But that there's a story of that on my show a few episodes back. I was racing the ride one can a day with Beulah May. Uh, anywho, regardless, you know, you don't, it's not a big deal to tow a motorcycle somewhere. Yeah, I think it's real important to carry tool. I, I go to the extreme. I do not work on a motorcycle without a tool that is not on the motorcycle all the time. So whatever, I buy all sorts of tools. I probably spend $100, $100 per motorcycle in toolkits just to make sure I've got everything I need to work on that bike. So the only tools I use to work on that bike are the tools that are on that bike. Obviously, there's going to be some except, you know, I, I don't carry the, the air valve I use to put air in the tires because that's attached to an air compressor, and you can find that anywhere on the road. But any specialty tool, anything I need to do, um, you know, I, I've had to rip a head off in the middle of nowhere before. So I carry, I carry the 14 millimeter deep socket on my KZ 1000 for that reason, you know, whatever. So I got a whole compact socket set because about four months ago doing the front brake pads, you have to have a 12 point quarter inch to get the screws out of the caliper. Right. Nobody in the town I live in, I went to every auto park store and we got a good fair number of them. Nobody had that socket, so I end up having to spend fifty bucks for a, a socket set. But it is thin and compact, and it's got deep well, standard quarter, you know, three eighths drive, shallows. Yeah. Twelve point six point. So after I bought that, it's like you know this thing's small enough; it fits right in the saddlebag. Plus, I have a little like Dewalt small little tool bag. Basically, was little probably came from one of the little tools my dad bought. They gave him this little tool bag so there's some screwdrivers you know the important zip ties some electrical tape just some odds and ends little extra wrenches a funnel and just some you know odds and ends that i keep in that bag and saddle bag along my toolkit and you know there's some more stuff i can fit in that one saddle bag but you know it's like i said you don't have to be completely mechanically inclined nope you know sometimes there can be some simple stuff and but being able to have some tools and and be able to help uh get yourself going again it's a nice feeling at the end of the day yeah no i i agree and there's always that decision of should i fix it or not i was on a ride with a bunch of women a few months ago i'm real fortunate i've got a, locally i've got a lot of friends who are, are are women and and female riders so i get to hop around with them on trips quite often um i used to date a big one here in the area uh maybe a year and a half ago now anyways regardless um and this young woman, her, she got something stuck in her back brakes and it ended up not working, but I was able to convince her, you don't need your back brake, just use your front brake. And she thought, oh, well, that makes sense. So she was able to finish the ride, you know, even though her back brake was torn to hell, the plates had blown out and her pads wouldn't, your caliper wouldn't grab onto the pad. Right. So, you know, it, it's okay. Like you just keep rocking it, even though you only have a front brake, just be a bit more careful. <laughs> So there's well, always I mean, that decision. The front brake's pretty important. I mean, people should be more familiar with it. I mean, for me, you know, years ago, I came from hill climbing. Mm -hmm. In my old stretch hill climb bikes, we didn't have a back brake. All I had was a front. So sure. I'm so used to using my front brake. I probably use my front brake way more than I actually use the rear. That's really funny. I do the exact opposite. Uh, half my bikes don't even have a front brake. My KZ1000s do because they're not mechanical. But all my old mechanical Honda, you know... Um, uh, uh, you know, throw out brakes. What the heck do they call those? No, they're not. 
Let me think. There's just drum breaks. Drum breaks. Oh my gosh. I'm like, it starts with a D. This is this is what 43 sounds like and looks like, my friend. So get ready. But it's only yeah. a couple months away. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, any drum break I'll just have solo. But any any disc break I'll run dual. But I use the hell out of my back break. I rarely use my front break. I don't know if the darn thing just scares me or if I'm just used to not having them or all the videos you see of guys going down on their motorcycles it's because they're grabbing too much front brake so i even i even perch my hand just right on the throttle where i just use uh what do i use do i use yeah i use the three outside fingers to grab the front brake and i i keep my index and my thumb on the throttle and I can't even create enough pressure to lock up my front brake. You know, I, I think I'm just really scared of my front brake. I just prefer to use my back brake all day long. Even if I got a D-cell, that's a wonderful second back brake. You know, it works really well for me. Uh, so that's funny, the difference in, in riding in that regard, you know. Well, everybody has what they got used to, how, you know, and the styles and, and whatnot, how they've ridden. I mean, nobody rides the same. We all have our, our little uh, quirks and... You know, things work for them. It's just, you know, for me, hey, that's just something I'm used to. And, you know, I've, I rode and hill climbed for so long that never had rear brakes. So I'm so accustomed and used to the front. And once you get used to, you know, your front brake, knowing how much pressure, how much you can pull on it, you know, it's just second nature. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. And I give you a lot of credit for, for going out killing the 1k i give you a ton of credit for doing it on a nice old four harley have you ever owned anything but a v-twin or yeah i, I used to have let's see my first bike i started with a honda saber the old v45 oh, i love those those are so fast they're so fast yeah go ahead i, I would love to find another i'd like to find the v65 those things were the quarter mile killer in their days oh yeah they're so fast shafty we had a bud. I had my buddy Jer built one for the last stampede. That thing was so fast. Oh my god! And it's still out there hopping around Durango, Colorado. He sold it to our buddy Richie. Holy heck, man! What a motorcycle! Uh, I've got a V45 in my backyard. Actually, I've been parting out. Uh, it was pretty clapped out when I got it. I just didn't see rebuilding it, and I just kicked myself. I should have just rebuilt the hell out of that thing. So yeah, that's what I started on. Then I went to. Uh... Suzuki GS 750ES. I had that for a few years. And well done. The hell out of that. Yeah. And then I went to the Suzuki Boulevard. I had the C50, which was the 805. And actually, that was I was impressed with it. Suzuki really did a good job engineering it, comfort wise. The controls were good. I mean, an all around good bike. Well, the problem was the different carburetors. You know, they had two different carburetors, and then they had bicycle cables running between the carburetors and it was they were real hard to set i've worked on a few of those for buddies and you're right they're great bikes they've got great power but oh getting the two different types of carburetors to sync up and work forget it i was not a fan but as far as the bike Mine itself oh i'm gonna shut the f up then yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to go we need more fuel injected yeah that's yeah, the cool fuel injection was great that's cool that's cool. Well, what uh, what do you think started you to uh, you just have a Harley now? Yeah. And you're gonna stick with the Harley? I'll have one for probably a long time. I mean, I'll I'll probably always have one, mm -hmm. but I'm not stuck to just one brand. I mean, I, I would like to build another just you know fun cruise around bike. And honestly, one of the bikes that I really like the sound and. To make one my own, just kind of a day hopper, I wouldn't mind building a Roadstar. Yeah, the 650? No, probably the 1600. Oh, crap. Okay. Yeah, that's one heck even, of... I wouldn't mind going with the old V-Star 650 and doing old, you know, dude, getting an old rigid frame and, and build an old school little bobber style, but I also wouldn't mind doing, you know, a Roadstar, do the 1600 and, and just build a, build a solo day cruiser. Yeah, no, I get it, man. They they really did good with that thing, and it's yeah for those for those listening who don't know the interchangeable parts between Hondas and Harleys and Yamahas and Suzukis are absolutely amazing. A lot of the parts are very similar. Harley's real specific on, you know, using those twelve point bolts or God knows whatever else. All the other special tools that Harley owners get to own. And I, I haven't owned a Harley in a few years. I had an old uh, 84 
FLH that was pretty dressed out. It was nice. It was something my dad bought and gave to me, and I enjoyed it a bit, but it just it, it wouldn't keep up with my KZ-1000s and whatnot, so I was able, uh, you know, to, to let that one go. But, no, I give you a lot of credit. There, there's not there's nothing that says you have to own or operate a Harley to get it going. What you got to do is get yourself on two wheels and get out and enjoy the roads of America. That's my opinion. Exactly. And beyond. Mexico, Canada, wherever you are, you know, get out and enjoy the roads. So. I mean, a guy can always find a bike with any budget. I mean, shoot, my, my Sabre. God, I, I paid 600 bucks for that. I mean, yep. a guy doesn't got to go spend ten to 40000 to go enjoy the road. Man, shop Craigslist because you can find some great deals. Hey, it might not look pretty, but you know what? You can do little things, dress it up, and make it functional. You know, get yourself something that you can afford to get down the road. Maybe in a year or two, okay? Do like everybody else. Upgrade to something new. Get something a little bit newer or find a you know a bike that has some feature you like. But you don't got to have the best thing to start. Get something that you can afford and just enjoy the road. Yeah, I I agree. I wish it's all it's all a problem. Whether the bike is brand new or used, it's always going to have problems. Um, you know, as long as you get a good recommendation on a bike and you're able to keep it going, male or female. I've been real fortunate to help several female riders kind of pick out their first used bike, for lack of a better term. And I always point to Honda Rebels. I think Honda Rebel 250, I think that's the best motorcycle ever made in the world. Uh, you wouldn't believe it by looking at me because I'm such a big guy, but I just think I just think they're awesome. I've taken mine everywhere. Uh, I've raced it through Canada, whatever. Uh, I just I can't say enough good things about him. But I'll I'll pull my Honda Rebel behind my Goldwing, you know, to get places too, just so I can get out and enjoy my Goldwing on the Great American Highway. Because drafting drafting in a little 250 can be real dangerous when you're drafting behind big rigs or. Uh, people trailering boats or whatever, you know, trying to keep it up to speed. But so that's okay. I don't, a lot of people don't need to ride as dangerously as I have to on a 250 on the open highway. But there's so many wonderful motorcycles out there that are available. But then you decided just a few months ago to start doing this, your V Twin podcast. What do you think inspired you to get that going? This is a great format, by the way, for the listeners. He does it all on Anchor. So where I bring it in, plug it into my computer and my big expensive microphone and my big expensive studio, blah, 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 um, Denver just does it all on Anchor. So I'm sitting here on a call and Anchor kind of does all the all the work for you, which is really effing smart. So good for you. But what got you excited about story sharing? Well, for me, I mean, I've always been into podcasts and I enjoy listening. You know, there's some... You know, I take up on a road, I, you know, turn one on, whether I'm driving in my truck or on the motorcycle. But to me, there, I finding a lot around motorcycling, there's not a lot. I, you know, there was some I used to listen to. It's like they just, they died out, they disappeared. And yeah, I figured, you know what, why not, why not try it myself? I mean, I've, you know, one that I always, you know, go off of, you know, that I enjoy that's still around is law-abiding biker mm-hmm. ryan erlacher has a great format and you know i enjoy listening to some of those i mean some of them you know it's like any show some aren't going to pique your interest some do right but i figured you know what motorcycling is something that has been a part of my life for a long time it's a passion i have and why not try to lend that passion let other people hear about it and not so much my stories as you know like doing this one with you i mean you've you've done a tremendous amount of motorcycling in your life, you know, and you know, I've reached out to guys like Alan for photo, Leo McElrath, the rusty bagger. Another guy that's really good on Instagram that I followed for a while was also amazing photographers, 801 Rhino. His, uh-huh. his episode will come out next Wednesday and just talking motorcycles and hearing some of these other guys' stories. It's awesome. And they also live in areas that I hope to visit in the near future. You know, I want to do some more traveling and, venture out farther you know the goal i'd I'd like to go hit the east coast with my dad right that'd be a great a great trip but talking to these other guys that are in other geographical areas and hearing their stories of places they ride i love it i mean it's for me i'm still probably one of the few guys that i still enjoy reading magazine publications like nice roadrunner 
Roadrunner magazine, yeah. Rider magazine. I like to read the articles about traveling, you know, places that other people go just to store that little mental note in my mind saying, hey, you know, if I'm ever down in Colorado or New Mexico, I, you know, can think back to some articles that have little places like the Sugar Hill Mine yeah. or the in Colorado or hitting Canyon Reef down in Utah or, you know, traveling motorcycles and what is it, the North Park Ridge? I know I'm saying that wrong, but the North Ridge of the Grand Canyon, because it's more narrow, tour buses can't get up there, so it's a great place for motorcycle that has less traffic on the North Rim. Yeah, the North Rim, and, yeah. And then they're just, you learn about little places, and like I said, I enjoy hearing other people's stories, you know, the areas they live in, and, and the adventures they took, because I enjoy it. I enjoy hearing the stories, and you know, it's much like you say, you go traveling on a motorcycle, you're camping somewhere, motorcycle is a great conversation starter where somebody hears hey you know what i got a bike too and before you right. know you know you're having a having a beer with them or soda if you don't drink you know whatever your your beverage of choice is and yeah the stories just start flowing and you start building those friendships and you gotta open it. yeah you gotta open yourself up to the road you gotta open up yourself to other people's hospitality one of the hardest things we do i think as americans and i wish i wish i would write more about this it's very hard for us to open ourselves up to other people's hospitalities. And we've all been there. We've all, let me think. How do, I'm very fortunate in my job. I work as a mechanic for the county of Riverside. I take care of all the big buildings downtown now. That includes uh, the jail. So I'm in and out of the jail. So I'm used to people yelling and screaming. I'm used to craziness. I'm used to being around, you know, psychopathic people who are sick and having real issue with you know, whatever the traumas are having at that current time. And so I've been in strangers' houses who just, you know, meet me at the gas station and they want to take me home and exchange some stories and, you know, feed me dinner and let me crash in their kids' room because their kids away at college. Like, you know, and you, you got to open yourself up to that. And I think that would be a big one. You're right. Sometimes people are going to try to be malicious. They're going to try to rob you. Although I've never been directly... I've never had anyone directly try to rob me. I mean, I'm kind of a big intimidating guy. So I reckon that doesn't yeah. happen to me too. But well, I mean, you are too, you know, so. I've been told that, you know, people, some certain people have met. He, you know, I've, I spent a lot of time. I've been a baseball coach here in Port Angeles where I live. I've, you know, volunteer for the baseball programs and, you know, it's done so much for my family, you know, for my boys. And it's just a great way to give back. And I got involved with the board of directors and, you know, helping with it. I actually had one of the, one of the heads of the league come up to me before a board meeting, tell me that, you know, so-and-so is freaking scared of you. He says, you're just too scary looking. I'm like, really? Uh, oh, that's great. I love it. Yeah. I get that right. a time or two. Hey, you got to let people peep. You're not going to please everyone, but for the most part, people just want to, you know, they just want to share in your road story. They want to be part of your road story and you get to be part of their road story. And I think that's a great gift that we can give to each other and fellow Americans. And I, I think it's it, it, we're going to have to get better at that as a society, as a culture, as a country. We got to get better at And it's OK. I mean, I know right now I'm not real big on politics. I mean, my politics are what's best for the motorcycle rider. I serve as president for a bait local 27 here in Riverside and. My big thing is politics and motorcycles. But I think from a political view in this country, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of diversion. There's a lot of differences between Democrats and Republicans these days. And I'm not a fan of that. We're all Americans at the end of the day, whether we ride motorcycles or not. There's so few people who ride motorcycles and there's so many other people who wish they rode motorcycles. But then there's a whole class of people who absolutely hate anything that looks, smells or seems like a motorcycle. And you know, it's okay. We're all American. We're all in this together. We're all on the same road paying taxes. And I wish, uh, you know, I wish I had a dollar for every time someone thinks riding motorcycles is that folklore cool. It's just the way I prefer to travel. I guess it's similar to, you know, horsemen who used to ride horses back in the old West. Most people did not know how to ride a horse the way we think they did. So there were few horse riders then, just like there's few motorcycle riders now. Most people did horse-drawn carriages. Carriages were the big thing. Or they walked on foot because, 
walking on foot is is really more efficient than a horse sometimes they always have that race between horse and man and the only reason we got into the horse is we needed that extra 30 pounds to travel across great lands with uh, food and water and bedding and whatever else we couldn't we couldn't carry 30 pounds of water on ourselves to travel the distances we wanted to travel so that's why we got into horses i believe that's why we're still into motorcycles i love being exposed I love being part of the scene instead of just looking at it out of, you know, truck window or car window. I get kind of claustrophobic in a vehicle most of the time. I My kids know it. After a few hours of traveling in a vehicle, they're like, well, we better get dad out of the car before he explodes. Like, he'd rather be on a motorcycle. So, you know, they, they, they just kind of know it. But, no, we're all Americans. That's freedom. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And I wish more people would experience it. I work so hard to, well, I have a lot of fun working hard, getting people on the back of their bike for the first time. I've probably had 500 people on the back of my motorcycle. Like, here's a helmet. Like, let me just take you for a ride. Let me take you around the block. Let me take you down the street. Sure, we can jump on the freeway for a mile or two. Whatever I can do to introduce people to riding motorcycles, that gets them looking out for motorcycles so they're not running them over. That gets them to respect the machine and know that the people who ride them are just like them. There's not many people who ride motorcycles. For example, there's about 9 million people in this country now. Maybe it's up to 10. It's probably closer to 9 who actually ride motorcycles. There's 22 million people who bird watch. So there, if you want to make money, start a podcast for bird watchers because there's a lot more bird watchers <laughs> in this country than there are motorcycle riders. I stole that line from Melissa Holbrook Pearson. She's one of my favorite motorcycle authors and motorcycle riders she's a very talented rider melissa holbrook pearson if your listeners get a chance look her up she's awesome but check that out yeah yeah she's she's an amazing she was the first female motorcycle writer to write about the perfect vehicle i think that book came out in 94 um you know and i've i've been fortunate enough to have her on my show and when i text her or call her she responds she's a, just a wonderful person up in upstate new york there by woodstock and i'm a huge fan of her so i'm very lucky to call her my friend and she writes like the fourth of july it's so her writing is so exciting i just have so much fun reading about everything that she's been through and the way she forms a good story and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day it comes down to good life living a good life, good, great sense of freedom, as you mentioned, because it all equals a good story. So good for you for doing your part and sharing your story, but more importantly, sharing the other stories of the other people who uh, get to be on your podcast. Well done, sir. Hey, thank you. And, and likewise, you know, that's, you know, it was great to reach out to you. And it is, it's like you said, it's, we all share that passion, but for yeah. me, it's like, I enjoy that other person's story too. It's like, you know, I don't, want to try to talk about myself all the time but i mean of course you get that back and forth but you know that person on the other end might also want to hear your story but it's just about getting everybody's stories out there and you know when somebody when that man passes there's so many people you know i first you know thought about doing some stuff different interview with veterans because they have so many stories to tell yeah we're losing we're losing so many of them that when they when they leave those stories leave and yep. you know, I, I got onto the, the motorcycle side of, you know, when I decided to do this and I guess in a way it's another way of preserving some of these stories that other people have that will be here for people to hear. And that's what I like. Well, I agree. We're very fortunate as the human race to be in a time where we absolutely have the ability to write down history write down stories. We have the technology now where we can share it without big corporate interest. Um, so it's going to be a lot truer. It's going to be a lot more from the heart. Everything that we're recording right now will go into digital format and in theory be available forever. So True. there might be people listening to this in a hundred years going, those guys were kind of dumb, but whatever. Yeah, we've all done dumb things. <laughs> this is part of living. Oh, that's great. I love it. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you having me on your show. You know, it'd be fun. Is yeah. tell me something fun and different about you that nobody would know or expect. This is a good game. This is my new favorite game. Well, nobody know or 
expected. I've had one hell of a motorcycle wreck, and I have my head has been cut from ear to ear, and my head was reconstructed. Wow. How long ago was that? I'm 42, 20, about 27 years ago. Were you wearing a helmet? I broke it in half. Well done. Okay. That took a lot of energy. Well, we're glad to still have you here, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, let me think of one. I used to I used to tell people that I hold the record for pileteer in the Rad 1K. That is riding on the back. Male pileteer, female pilot. I did that, at, what, a year and a half ago or just over a year ago. I used to tell people that. But I think the other thing I could say is uh, I have a show coming out soon where I interview a local radio host. I'm a huge fan of, of radio DJs. And I got to interview one who was very big on motorcycles. So that's, I, I'm a huge fan of radio DJs. I'm a huge fan of radio. That's what got me into podcasts, audiobooks. I'm very fortunate to have a few family members who do radio locally. So I, I, I'm going to admit that uh, I've got a huge fan base in local radio and have family members in radio. And I'm fortunate enough to know a few things about local radio. That used to be the hot thing. You know, radio was... I think the TV was invented 20 years too early because radio was just getting in its prime when the TV came out. There's so much we can do with audio that is so much I cooler. I think that's what's what's bringing podcasting back so much. And I yep. think probably the one thing that I, th I would say helped me more getting to podcast and be comfortable is I started volunteering for my local high school and uh, a summer baseball team as being the, their announcer. I would do all the DJing, all the music. I would do all the the announcing and basically try to try to have these kids have their high school baseball season. I mean, I I treat it like a big league ball game. Yeah. They'd all have walk up songs for batting the pitchers. I'd let them pick their pitching warm ups, and I was never one that was comfortable at public speaking. Matter of fact, I was terrified of it and I hated it. And I think getting into announcing baseball games after well, it probably took a season a season and a half before I was comfortable because I'll admit the very first game I did was a huge four-day tournament and when I was about ready to start the the whole tournament off you know the opening ceremonies and speeches and national anthem I was about ready to puke in the, <laughs> in the garbage can I was so freaking nervous sure sure I was, I was terrified but after about a season to a two I got more comfortable with it and I really enjoyed it and I started having a lot of fun and you know, I got a lot of compliments from a lot of, you know, even local parents or when we do summer tournaments, other, you know, parents would come up and it really made for a great environment at the baseball games. And once I got more comfortable with it, it was a lot of fun. And I've missed that this year. We weren't able to do it because all this COVID crap. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully with, you know, getting in the starting a new career here soon and I hope to still be able to volunteer and give my time to all those kids because it's a lot of fun and I enjoy it. Yeah, believe it or not, my grandfather used to do that in Aberdeen, South Dakota for the farm teams. He was he was the announcer. This was, uh, I don't know if he was on the radio, but my dad told me the stories of being a little kid and his dad announcing the ball game. So it's it's something that's real cool and it means a lot to people. The audio is above and beyond. We we forget, but if if you know if you look at something like an old VHS tape, the VHS tape had three lines on it and of course they were cocked at an angle. That's how VHS tape worked. If anybody doesn't know what a VHS tape is, go ahead and google it. But regardless, there were three lines on it and two of the lines were for audio and one of the lines was for video. So most of the space was audio. That's how important audio is and getting the audio down just right. And you can paint so much of a story. And I think it's no different than writing down words on a page. I'm really big into typewriters. So I love striking, you know, striking the slugs to the paper and watching the ink put it down. And I have a good time writing on typewriters for my, for my rough drafts and rough ideas. But it's very exciting that, um, you know, what, what audio can do for anything and anybody. And at the end of the day, everybody needs to know the big corporations, iHeartRadio and all these monster corporations, they're putting their money behind podcasts these days. So, which I is... I think the times are turning to where, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head a little while ago talking about how big radio used to be. And all of a sudden now, 
podcasting is coming so huge to me it, it just makes me think back to before we had tvs you know you everybody at humble around humble jesus i can't talk huddle huh. around the radio and yep. you know that's basically evolution coming back around on evolution but say the evolution of radio and tv and all yep. of a sudden it's going back to podcasting and podcasting is coming so huge and which is know, which I is like funny it. it's a lot of fun yeah, podcasts have been around for 20 years. They've been around longer than YouTube, and it's really taken them this long for people. It's very much, of course, the idea that you can listen to them now on your on your cell phone, you know, where uh, YouTube, because it had video, became popular first because people could watch it on their laptops, right? But now that we're going back to the smaller devices, people are realizing, well, the video's cool, but, you know, it's kind of crappy, and YouTube has all these extra commercials now, and... You go to a show like this, I mean, the only commercial is what you say or what you do. I just have a few sponsors on on, on mine, and it, so it's virtually commercial-free compared to what we're used to, and, and it's free to subscribe, so everyone, feel free to hit subscribe. It's free. Amen. Yeah, you know, so there, there there's a lot to it, and it's, I walk around all day long wrenching on stuff in these big buildings downtown, and I've got a wire in my ear, and I'm either listening to a podcast or listening to an audiobook. I, I love it. I'm always entertained and I just have a darn wire hanging in my ear. No big deal. Yeah, there you go. I do the same thing a lot. Either it's playing on a Bluetooth speaker or on, on one of my headphones when I'm doing stuff at the house, but no, that's just what I enjoy and what do you what it is. Yeah, what do you listen to when you ride? Um, I have a I do have a big playlist that I play or cool. You know, I'll put on a an episode of law abiding biker or maybe i'll listen to an episode of rogan and right there's a couple of different hunting podcasts that i like to listen to certain episodes and you know all just kind of depends on my mood yeah well done it's some of the podcasts are really hard for me to hear i mean i'm in an open helmet i usually do not have a windshield on my Goldwing. i can listen to anything of course but um other than that i know when i put out my book it was very important that my book was very loud and it took a lot of energy and effort and editing and production, you know, to make my book very loud. So you can listen to my book while riding a motorcycle without a windshield, open face helmet, doing 80 miles an hour. And I had to learn, you know, how to make this happen. Uh, but I've got a narrator named R.C. Bray. He's my favorite narrator. And anything he does is equally as it's high compressed. It's quite loud. He has a very distinct voice you know so i can really <laughs> i can really hear what he's saying so that's that's that but yeah most of the time i've got just a small mp3 player one of the old school uh ones that were the size of your thumb and i just plug those into headphones and yeah i just rock my playlist in my book i, I mentioned several i think i mentioned 28 different pieces of music you know that i listen to on my playlist just to share the music that i enjoy with other people, you know, as a musician, I've gotten to play a lot of the music I, I listen to and have on my playlist uh, in bars as band, you know, with bands or whatever. But I, I really enjoy music is extremely important to me. And I'll listen to anything from, uh, you know, Rob Zombie to, you know, to Carol Kane, you know, I, I, Judy Collins, whatever. I, I really enjoy it all. Folk, rock, metal. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Basically, me too. Same thing. Man, go from some old, you know, Steve Miller band to some old Nazareth up to some country to Smith and Myers to same thing, Rob Zombie or some old Poison. I mean, I I can cover so many genres, and you know, my playlist is about seven hundred plus songs, and I'll just hit shuffle, and you know, I got a Bluetooth unit that plugs into the auxiliary port and the radio on my Harley, and I'll just put throw the phone in my pocket, put it on shuffle, and just jam that's pretty good so do you have speakers on your harley or did you say you got headphones no i got speakers on the harley with the road glide it's got the fairing and there's two five inch speakers up in the fairing that's crazy awesome good for you good, so, for, good for you, you know, i always got music playing i'd rather listen to music or podcasts and watch tv or anything so you know when i'm home if my wife's not here i usually got you know music playing or doing something and that's just what I enjoy. Yeah. Same it's, thing when I ride. I just like the music and go. It's amazing, too, how many different people attract to different things. I've never understood motorcycle type things on, like, YouTube. 
Um, I mean, I've got a few things up on YouTube, mostly my show, you know, my motorcycle show, uh, it's audible, but I put it all up on, I'm sorry, it's audio, but I put it on YouTube, but, uh, yeah, I just don't sit around and watch YouTube as a motorcycle rider. I like to get out and twist throttle, uh, or I'm busy wrenching on, I don't have time to sit and watch YouTube videos, but they seem to do really well. You know, there's a lot of motorcycle riders who like to watch tv and i just prefer motorcycle related things while i'm twisting throttle getting down the road so there you go yeah well we'll have to see i think that i think those numbers are slowly going down i'll have to my friend stacy she does a bunch of stuff on youtube i'll have to ask her how that's going but i think yeah the future is a lot more audio because we're busy we want to do crafts we want to build scoots we want to wrench on typewriters like i've got all sorts of crazy crafts and crap I, my house is very much a bash pad and i've got all these little corners with all these little art projects and stuff i'm rebuilding and you know i don't care if i have a carburetor on the bar like that's what i'm working on i'm rebuilding the carburetor at my bar what do i care you know <laughs> so, yeah very true yeah that's all good stuff well denver thanks so, thanks for having me on sir hey you too man thank you it's been a lot of fun yeah we'll catch you down the road our, our paths will cross somewhere in the highway and we can do this face-to-face, -to -face too. Oh, yeah. If you're ever in Riverside, I got a real comfortable couch, all my buddies tell me. so. Perfect, man. Well, hey, yeah. thanks a lot, Bob. It was a good time, and thanks for coming on, and you know, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you, Denver. We'll catch you next time. Enjoy your road. Hey, you too, man. Enjoy the road. Ride safe. Yes, sir. Hey, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the V-Twin Life. Hey, and then you guys heading over to CrashInClothing.com, placing your orders, want to get yourself some of that gear. If you input the promo code crash one all uppercase letters you'll save yourself a little bit of money and uh get yourself some nice gear so hey thank you all for tuning in thank you for uh supporting this channel so hey y'all ride safe have fun enjoy those miles of smiles